Our text this morning is Ecclesiastes chapter 10, continuing our verse-by-verse exposition of this book. This morning we're looking at verses 12 to 20. Hear now God's word. Words from the mouth of a wise man are gracious, while the lips of a fool consume him. The beginning of his talking is folly, and the end of it is wicked madness. Yet the fool multiplies words. No man knows what will happen, and who can tell him what will come after him? The toil of a fool so wearies him that he does not even know how to go to a city. Woe to you, O land, whose king is a lad and whose prince feasts in the morning. Blessed are you, O land, whose king is of nobility and whose princes eat at the appropriate time for strength and not for drunkenness. Through indolence, the rafters sag, and through slackness, the house leaks. Men prepare a meal for enjoyment, and wine makes life merry, and money's the answer to to everything. Furthermore, in your bedchamber, do not curse a king, and in your sleeping rooms, do not curse a rich man. For a bird of the heavens will carry the sound, and the winged creature will make the matter known title of this message is Avoiding the Foolishness of a Fool, and you can easily see uh, the contrast there right from the beginning uh, between a wise man, the words of a wise man, and the words of a fool. It didn't take me long to think of a lot of foolish examples in my own life. Uh, I wish I could stay out of that category. But I'll give you one old one. I was in junior high. Junior high rules were no smoking on campus. Anyone found smoking at the junior high level would be automatically suspended. We all knew the rules. Well, I went into the restroom between classes, and uh, the restroom was full of smoke. All my buddies were in there. They were smoking cigarettes, and they were razzing me. Here, take tote, take tote. Come on, come on, come on. Join us, join us, join us. You know, and I was like, no, 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 no. I, I just need to do my business, get out of here. And they just kept bugging me, you know. And so I was about, you know, this far away from grabbing just a little toke, and in comes my next period teacher. And so I said, ah, see y'all. You know, and I'm, I'm out as fast as I could go, and everybody else is flushing stuff and zipping out as fast as they could go, too. Got to my next period class, you know, I was there, not making eye contact, pretending like I'm doing something. And the teacher says, David, come up here. I need a private conversation with you. I said, okay. Didn't know what was going to come. He said, I want to ask you a couple questions. He says, do you smoke? And I said, no, sir. He says, does anyone in your family smoke? And I said, no, sir. He said, so you were that far away for getting kicked out of school for something you don't do. And no one in your family does. He says, don't be foolish. Good counsel. I never forgot it. Don't be foolish. You're that close to being declared a fool. I wish I could have stayed out of that category, like I say, many, many times. How do we avoid the foolishness of a fool. We need good counsel. We need God's word to speak to subjects like this. The blood of Christ is important. 
But every chapter and verse is not about the blood. There's times where God says, I want to talk to you about foolishness. I want to talk to you about how to avoid being foolish. And you can see some categories as we look at it here. Um, You may know a fool. You may have a fool in your home. You may have a fool in your workplace. You may have a fool in your school. You may be the fool. How can we avoid the foolishness of a fool? I think he teaches us here, God's word teaches us to focus on respect, to focus on reformation, and to focus on restraint to avoid the foolishness of a fool. First of all, um, as he contrasts verses 12 through 15, the wise man and the fool, there seems to be an emphasis on respecting the wise man um, not so much for the foolish man. Um, you can learn a lot from somebody's words, what comes out of their mouth. And it's, it's clear from verse 12, uh, 13, 14, that, that uh, this is the focus. You know, the words of a wise man, that's one thing. The words of a fool's another. It's interesting, verse 12, the words of a fool... Um, even though he uses them to cut other people down, it says they literally consume him. They eat him up at some point. Uh, verse uh, 11, it, like a serpent, bites before being charmed. Uh, excuse me, not 11, uh, verse 12. Words from the mouth, uh, verse 13, the beginning of his talking's folly. It, and it just gets worse, basically. Verse 14, yet the fool multiplies words. His words aren't getting anywhere, and he just talks on and on and on. No man knows what will happen. Uh, Verse uh, 15, the toil of a fool so wearies him that he does not even know how to go to a city. Let's think about that. Words are supposed to be tools of virtue and praise. A wise man will use his words as a tool to build people up, to encourage people, to direct people. Whereas a foolish person not only using words to tear people down, but they tear himself down. He doesn't even see it. They eat him up at some point. They, they have a negative effect. It screams at us to focus on what we say and how we use our words so that we speak with understanding, not with foolishness. Let me give you some verses. Look at Proverbs chapter 10. Proverbs 10, verse 8. A few verses here. Proverbs 10, verse 8. The wise of heart will receive commands, but a babbling fool will be ruined. See the contrast continue? Wise listen to good words, even commands. Fools are just babblers, and it ruins them. Verse 10. He who winks the eye causes trouble, and a babbling fool will be ruined. You can know a fool pretty much by his babbling, his, his words. Verse 11, the mouth of the righteous is a fountain of life, but the mouth of the wicked conceals violence. Verse 14, wise men store up knowledge, but with the mouth of the foolish, ruin is at hand. And verse 19, when there are many words, transgression is unavoidable. But he who restrains 
his lips is wise. Do we think about our words? Do we seek it, think about how easy it is to be engaged in idle chatter, in babbling? And then we just read those verses, how babbling, that idle chatter, is associated with fools. One way we can think about getting out of the category of, of fools is thinking about are we speaking like a fool? Are we speaking like a wise man? Do we give words of encouragement? Do we speak with respect? We have a loss of respectful language in our society now, don't we? I mean, you don't hear as much as before. Yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. No, sir. No, ma'am. And we even have fools saying, don't say that. Don't show me respect. I'm a babbling fool, don't you know? It's basically what we're saying that I don't want to be expected to have a character of honor and respect and distinction. I don't want that. So don't give it to me with your words. And yet, a wise man is a man or woman of respect and honor or a mom or a dad, is to be honored and respected. And we're to speak in such a manner that we give honor and we give respect. We give deference to others. Um, a wise man, back in Ecclesiastes 10, is gracious. The words from the mouth of a wise man are gracious. If you speak as a wise one, you're giving others grace, encouragement, edification, honor. My favorite verse on this, Ephesians 4, verse 29. If you don't have it memorized, I encourage you to. You can use it every day because you've got to speak every day. Ephesians 4, verse 29. Let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth. Only such a word as is good for edification, according to the need of the moment, so that it will give grace to those who hear. Don't let any word out of your mouth. You've got a gate, right? They're called lips, teeth. Don't let any word escape except a word that's going to build people up. It's going to edify. It's going to encourage according to the need of the moment, which means you've got to use your noggin. You've got to be thinking, what is the people that are in front of me? What do they need? How can I give them something? Through my mouth, a word of encouragement that builds them up where they walk away and, and feel better from having been in my presence. They don't feel like I was a babbling fool encouraging them down the drain with me. God wants us to have those kind of words towards others. Look at Colossians 3, verse 6. Another passage on using our tongues well. Well, 
I've lost my place here. I can find it. I mean, it's 4, verse 6. Colossians 4, verse 6. Colossians 4, verse 6. Let your speech always be with grace, as though seasoned with salt, so that you will know how you should respond to each person. Anybody who's had a meal with me knows I love to season my food with salt, okay? And so you take somebody who likes it as much as me, and God is using that as the illustration. How about liking the seasoning of your words as much as David likes seasoning his food with salt? And how about seasoning all of your words with grace? So that when you speak, people get something of respectful flavor. People get something and go, hmm, that's good. That's good. Thank you for that word. That's encouraging. That's the words of a wise man, not the words of a fool. Um, give it to you in the parameters of child training. Look at Proverbs 22, verse 15. Proverbs 22, verse 15, popular verse. This is the chapter where, verse 6, train up a child in the way he should go. When he's older, he won't depart from it. Go down to verse 15. Proverbs 22, verse 15 says, Foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child. The rod of discipline will remove it from him. Now think about that. Foolishness is already in the heart when the child is born. And if we don't, as parents, remove that foolishness, if we don't train it out of our children, it's there. It's, that foolishness is going to come out through babbling. Our responsibility is to give our children better words. There ought to be times in your family life where you're saying, that's not an appropriate way to speak. Let me t tell you how to do that differently. And you teach respectful words. That's someone you ought to say, no sir, yes sir to, or no ma'am, yes ma'am to. That's your teacher. That's your mom. You don't talk to your dad that way. You don't talk to your mom that way. You don't talk to that person that way. There's a different way to do it. And you start training them. You discipline them for wise words. And we're losing that in our culture, which is why we're seeing more and more fools. This comes back to us to be those who are teaching our children well and teaching others well just how to speak, how to talk respectfully, how to give grace. A fool wants payback. A fool wants to speak words to retaliate. A fool wants to tear down. And you see that from our childhood up. We want to blame. We want to push away. We want to fire at folks through our speech instead of building up. And we have to be taught uh, to evaluate our words, to evaluate our family, to use wise words, not foolish words. I encourage you. Are you doing that in your home? Are you really thinking about how you speak to your treasure, your spouse, your children, your parents, your brothers and sisters in Christ? Let us speak the words of those who are wise, gracious words. 
Second, our focus to avoid the foolishness of fools not only on respect through our speech, but it's on reform, reformation of our behavior. Uh, verses 16 through 19, there's also a contrast. So we had a contrast uh, in words. Now we've got a contrast between uh, the word woe, W-O-E, and the word bless. Let me show it to you. Verse 16 through 19. It says, Woe to you, O land, whose king's a lad, whose princes feast in the morning. Then blessed are you. So there's the contrast. There's two groups. There's the one who gets destruction, and that's the one who has a king whose princes, so all of his people under him, they feast in the morning. Verse 17, Blessed are you, O land, whose king is of nobility and whose princes eat at the appropriate time for strength, not for drunkenness. Uh, interesting. It then gives a little illustration. I'll go ahead and give it verse 18. Uh, it's an illustration of being slack. Uh, illustration is just not working appropriately. Verse 18, though it through uh, indolence, the rafter sags. So the, <clears throat> you look up and say, oh, there's, I got a leak up there. I need to fix it. You don't sit down and do nothing. You get, you get about it. Um, that's the illustration. Uh, verse 19, men prepare a meal for enjoyment, uh, and wine makes life uh, Mary. So you just begin to see that he's saying the meal's supposed to either be a time of feasting or it's a time for strength. When is it most appropriate? Um, the word woe and the word blessed here could be uh, more relevant and maybe for us. It's, woe means trouble. Trouble are you or happy are you? That's the contrast. Which do you want? The trouble is the foolish way. The happy is the righteous way. He uses this illustration, um, verse 16, where whose king is a lad. I don't want you to think that the word lad there just means young, that foolish is young. Uh, the contrast is not about youth. The contrast is about wisdom and the lack of wisdom. Uh, and there are examples in Scripture. You remember, or one that comes to my mind is King Josiah. Josiah was king at eight years old. So he was a young man. But he was a wise man. Give, give you a, um, a verse for that. Second Chronicles 34. And so I don't, I don't think that's where scripture's going here that saying the foolishness is wrapped up in the, in the fact that the illustration is using a lad. In Second Chronicles 34 it says Josiah was eight years old when he became king and he reigned 31 years in Jerusalem. So he, he had a good kingdom. Good long run at it. In those first two, he did right in the sight of the Lord and walked in the ways of his father David. So even at eight years old, he did right. Foolishness was not in Josiah's life like it's being described here. The, pro the illustration is not so much that he's a lad, but it's the second part of that. Whose princes feast in the morning. So this lad in verse 16 is letting his workers, the people in his kingdom, feast in the morning. Contrast that with the next king who doesn't let his workers feast in the morning. He tells them, you can feast at the appropriate time. You can, you know, it goes on down to verse 19. You can, you can prepare meals for enjoyment and feasting. You can be merry. You can think money solves everything. <clears throat> he says, but you got to fix the leaky roof. We don't sit around 
in the morning when the roof is sagging. We get it done. Interesting, at an appropriate time. It says the princes eat at an appropriate time, verse 17. And then gives us, tells us what defines that. For strength, not for drunkenness. Simple rule in my house growing up. Simple rule I tried to teach my kids was you work first, you play second. Simple as that. That's, that's what's appropriate. We get our jobs done. And then we can play. We don't wake up. What, what do kids do? Naturally, what do you do? You wake up, show, show, little ones. Turn on the TV. Give me a device. We want entertainment. We wake up for recreation. And parents have to say, no, 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 no. We work first. Nothing wrong with the show. Nothing wrong with the feast. Nothing wrong with the recreation. But we do that at the end of the day. After we've got our work done. That's the appropriate. You, you, in other words, we eat in the morning. We eat for strength. Strength to do work. We don't eat in the morning to get drunk, to have a feast. We have the feast later on. We get our work done first. That's the behavior that he's asking for. The reforming of our appetites for the work God has called us to do. That's the life of a fool. Always asking, what has God called me to do? What is my work? How do I eat for the strength to do that work? And once the work is accomplished, then I can sit back and enjoy the fruits of my labors. Then I can be happy and celebrate and bring in my friends. So the question is, how many of us are really seeking reformational strength? When you eat your breakfast, Lord, give me strength for the day, strength for the work that you've called me to. Let me labor for you in the fields that you've given me to labor. Um, we need to train our children. We need to pray for our land to be reformed over this passion for recreation back to a passion to do work first, to do what God has called us to. And then, sure, let's celebrate. And let's enjoy the benefits that God gives us. Well, then verse 20 comes along. And let me just kind of uh, look at it too. There's a focus to avoid foolishness on respect. There's a focus on reformation. And I think here's just a, a focus on restraint. Realize, verse 20, somebody's always watching. Somebody's always hearing. Somebody's always around. And you've got to restrain yourself. It's, it's kind of an interesting um, development in the passage. The first two categories were public. Avoid foolishness in public. When you're speaking, when you're behaving, you're working or resting. But verse 20 is avoid foolishness in private. He takes us into the bedchamber. It says, furthermore, in your bedchamber, where you sleep... That's a private location. It says, even there, there needs to be a certain restraint from foolishness. And he goes back to our words. Be careful what you say in private, in the bedchamber. Why? Because it gets out. How, how can it get, get out? And you, you sometimes don't know how it gets out, and so we have a phrase for that. Well, a little bird told me. And that's where that phrase comes from, right here. 
a little bird somehow takes that conversation you thought was just between you and your spouse, and now all of a sudden somebody else knows it. How did that happen? And yet it happens over and over, and especially it happens to those in some leadership. They find out. Leaders, I, I had somebody come and confess sins to me that they had committed 14 years ago this week. That can I, I'm just convicted and I need to confess. I said, okay, come on. And um, uh, they said, you know, I said some pretty harsh things about you 14 years ago. I was pretty proud of it too. And uh, just want to confess. I said, I already knew. How'd you already know? A little bird told me. A little bird told me. It gets out. I thought you would have never found out. Oh, yeah, I found out. Oh, other people, and, I, love, and I, I said, I forgive you. Love covers a multitude of sins. I said, I, I forgave you 14 years ago. But we all have to see that's what happens in our lives. That we think, you know, it's, it's easy for leaders, because all of you, it's just easy for y'all to take pot shots at me. I don't like what David was wearing. I don't like that he took a sip of water between, you know, whatever. And you start talking privately about something. And somebody hears. Could be your little three-year-old. And the three-year-old tells me later on. Mom and dad don't like the way you drink water. Well, okay, got it. Little bird will tell you. So restraint. Wise people learn not to gossip. Wise people learn not to tear down, not even in private. If you wouldn't tear that person down in public, don't tear them down in private. Learn to come up with phrases and words that build up and strengthen. Learn to pray for and watch over and take care of people. That's what God is calling us to do. Keep the gossip bird in the cage. Otherwise, it gets out, and many matters are known that were never intended to be known, and they tear one another down. Um, conclusion, as I was thinking about avoiding the foolishness of a fool, it doesn't just scream at me out of this passage, but it, I couldn't not think of Matthew 7, a place where Jesus talks about foolishness. I just want to close by reading very popular passages there, Matthew 7. 24 and 27. Jesus giving this parable. says, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and acts on them may be compared to a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain fell, the floods came, the winds blew and slammed against that house, and yet it did not fall, for it had been founded on the rock. Everyone who hears these words of mine and does not act on them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain fell, the floods came, the winds blew and slammed against that house, and it fell. And great was its fall. There's Jesus' contrast. It all comes down to what do we do with this book, this word from God both groups of people hear it, both listen to a degree, but the wise man always acts 
upon God's word. So if God's word says our speech needs to be gracious and we need to focus on respect and reformation and restraint. If God's word says it, we don't just hear it, we act upon it. We determine this day we're going to do things differently, better than yesterday. The foolish man hears that and lives the same babbling foolishness that he's been accustomed to. How will it be with you? How will it be with me? Do we see avoiding foolishness is wise? The other path is destruction. Let's pray. Father, we asked for mercy and grace because we all at times in public and in private can fall into the category of foolish. We ask that you would enable us to remember Ecclesiastes 10, enable us to remember Proverbs 10, Ephesians 4, Colossians 4, Matthew 7. May some of these passages be brought to our mind by your Spirit to turn us away from the path of the fool and back to the path of the wise. We live during a time where our world is in great need of wisdom. May they find wisdom from believers, from those who love you, those who study your word and know it and follow it day in and day out. And the next generation, Lord, those who are at our feet now, we ask that you would enable us to train them up to be wise and fruitful for your honor and your glory. Forgive us when we've grown slack. We've let the roof leak instead of eating for strength to do the work you call us to do. Call us back, Lord. Have mercy upon us. And we ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen.